Tonight, we are joined by our panel of sexperts. Go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Hi, my name is Kevin Bader. I'm a health educator over at Student Health Services here at MSU. Hi, I'm Janelle Marie Davis. I'm the founder of the stdproject.com and the spokesperson for positivesingles.com. And I'm Dr. D, and you're way the hell too formal. Thanks, Dr. D. This it's his first show. This is my 15th year of doing this. we got another virgin host here. This is great. I have to get closer to the mic. <laughs> we want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, the Dr. D voice is important. <laughs> All right, um, tonight our topic is sexual education. Uh, Kevin, do you want to start us off? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm going to turn it right over to Dennis because he is the sex ed. Oh, you're going to turn it over to me. You give me an <laughs> uh, agenda here that's not in large print. That's true, that that's true. So I can't read it. Well, Pressure no, actually, the topic of sex education, or is what I named it sex e and me because we've talked in the past and and one of our old uh, sex exposure shows about what sex e means hmm. and i know dennis has explained that countless times what it means to be sex e but mainly um what it means to be sexually educated about sex and and kind of what our culture today perhaps how it how it used to be has been a little is a little different, but how it is today and how media and religion kind of play a part into it, how parents play a part into young people and having sex. It's just really hard to take you serious. I mean, you ha our listeners can't see him, but Kevin's made up to be a zombie because we're going to be doing the zombie walk. Yeah, I do have to explain myself. Right now, you guys are all probably... Um, looking at me strangely in the in the studio today because I have a, a zombie paint all up and down my face right now. So it's probably hard to take me seriously when I'm talking about sex. I actually originally wanted to have this show about, uh, what was it called, Dead in Bed, Dead in bringing bed. back the, the luster that That's sex true. incorporates. Halloween's this next weekend. Or uh, uh, zombie sex, week. what it means to be zombie sex. And I actually looked it up, and the Urban Dictionary says that zombie sex is something incredible, so great, so grand. Really? I, don't... I would have thought it was the opposite. Exactly. Like, just lackluster, and there is no real feeling and emotion <laughs> behind it, and it's not intimacy as much right. as it's so on and so forth. But we apparently... See, we, here we digress already. Go I know, ahead. right? But apparently, if you have to say it with gusto, yeah. Oh, I just had some great zombie, zombie sex, sex last night. Ow. <laughs> well, the, the one good thing is you haven't said masturbation in the first two oh, minutes. Normally I do. Three That's minutes. true. So. Now, there we go. Somebody did. Somebody <laughs> right. had to go but, there. You know, this, this, is, this is sex exposure, and Quinn is our new host, so we have to break Quinn in. Of course. We have, to, we have to tell our listeners. I told you he'd come right after you. You, yeah. can, call, yep. you can call in at 432-3893 and ask about Quinn's sex life. I'm <laughs> Man, please do please do actually yes <laughs> well, we do have we do have if Rise you do packs. call in if you do call in have a question for quinn or any of us or janelle or, or you just mr. want to join the conversation mr zombie here uh <laughs> do we have a uh, complimentary prize pack yes we do and we've always kind of done the years years supply of condoms which is how many i believe we came down to a hundred condoms a hundred's a, a good number you think for that's year, a good I number think. you like yeah. that yeah. you think it's too yeah. low too high or is it perfect i think it's perfect i've heard some complaints about it being too low before though mm. <laughs> oh the only right. complaints we get is from the impact staff <laughs> <laughs> i mean come on let's be let's see, 100 100 
No, seriously, Janelle. You could go through those kind of fast, especially if you're using them for things like oral sex. And every time you engage in any kind of sexual activity with a partner, partnered sexual activities, you could go through those pretty Have quick. Have you gotten formal on me over this summer? I, <laughs> you know, like formal all of a sudden? All of a sudden. No, I'm, what, I'm, what this, this show is about, and you got to give credit, kudos to to Impact, uh, because they've been hosting us for way too many years, this exposure. <laughs> it's really a talk to the community about sex and uh, what it means. You know, somebody asked me last night, we did the premiere of America the Beautiful Three, Daryl Roberts' film last night, and Daryl said to me, he said, you know, my next film is going to be on healthy sexuality. And I said to Daryl, what does it mean to you, healthy sexuality? And he says, well, you know, that's a good question. I don't quite know what that means, but I want to put together a panel of sexperts to talk about that. I said, well, Daryl, let's really just kind of talk about this. What does it mean for healthy sexuality? Because some people, healthy sexuality means free of an STI, mm-hmm. no un- unwanted children, uh, you know, uh, no sexual assault, sexual abuse, any of that stuff. Is that really what sec- healthy sexuality is all about? Yeah, and I would challenge that you can actually be sexually healthy if you have an STI. That's, STIs are really common, and you can have a healthy sex life and be sexually healthy with an STI. So that doesn't necessarily encompass what I would perceive as healthy sexuality, that you must be um, a word that we don't use, but people commonly, you commonly hear people use clean or dirty or, you know, I would actually take that away and say that it doesn't, that's not the requirement. I think it's more holistic and it takes more unpacking than just some of that surface level, what people commonly assume. I knew this would get you going. (laughs) But, you know, you know, we don't have a taste test for Quinn to do on, on oh, a Oh, yeah, new... we didn't bring the lube. Sorry. I yeah, forgot we... to bring ah, the lube. The flavor so let's lube. ask Quinn. Next time. Let's ask Next Quinn. Time. He, he's new here, so and we uh, we're going to be real gentle on him. But how would you define healthy sexuality? Um, I think I think originally the, the idea of being STI-free, being uh, a healthy sexuality, is definitely something that was, um, you know, kind of imposed on me through my sexual education, mm-hmm. through high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you had sex education in high school, Quinn? Middle school and Where high school. Where the heck are you from? I know. Wow. Well, I think maybe a lot of us had sex, half of sex education. So you probably had the physiological. You had sex indoctrination. That's what you That's, had. Yeah, exactly. Some sex, sex education. Well, they talk yeah. a lot sex about the physical, how, how not to get the STIs, what right. to wear when you when you should so all the erotophobia stuff it is true yeah Yeah. it's all about the fear yeah Yeah, i had my my first sexual education classes were in the eighth grade i believe but then in through high school we learned more uh in depth about stis what did you learn in eighth grade uh yeah we learned uh we we learned the symptoms of all of the stis (laughs) um when we're talking about that uh we also learned you know how to properly use a condom, things like that. Wow, in eighth grade. Ooh, I, man, wow. See, I can't. I, I you can't must have had a comprehensive sex ed. Like that's that's rarely talked about. Say, Usually, it's yeah. abstinence-only approaches, and 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 then there there happens to be a lack of what to do if you choose to participate. If you decide did, you have not the banana? To did they have we the banana? We didn't have the banana. <laughs> you I had the banana. No, we did not have the banana. <gasps> no I, banana. I've had friends who have had the banana at other oh. schools. But, uh, <laughs> banana sex. I love oh, it. We didn't even have the banana. I came. I came from a Catholic school where we had family life. It was uh, called family life. And you can imagine in Catholic school what, what family What if you don't life. want a family? Exactly. Right, that's what I'm saying. You just, yeah. just want to have... And I didn't know that in fifth grade because it was in fifth grade when we first you know, talked about the penis, talked about the vagina. Yeah. Of course, they put us in separate rooms, sure. males and females. Seven minutes and you said vagina. Good. I had to get to Good. there. 432-3893 <laughs> with Quinn yeah. as our host. You Join know, the conversation. It, it, Let us know... 
when did you first learn about sex? What was the platform? Was it talked about just the physical? Did we even breach the emotional part of sex? Are we ever really... Janelle, so what's the prize pack? What's the prize pack going to be? Have the prize pack is a, a year, quote unquote, a year complimentary from Olin Health Center and the, I don't, actually, I don't know really who is it's complimentary from. <laughs> Olin Health yeah. Center. Olin Health Center, Student Health Services. We got some lube in there, flavored lube, of course, as well as uh, yep. water-based and silicone. Yep. And then um, we'll, we'll throw in some uh, dental dams and some uh, female condoms in there if you uh, want some of those as well. Quinn, so 100 or what? Yeah, 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 hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, hundred. We've come to a census that that's that's a, a fair amount. Well, and that brings us somewhat to our topic, which is. Uh, can I, can I hold you there for a second? Sure. We got a caller. You got a caller. We got a call. Oh my! Already? Or are we ready? Are we ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All right, caller, you're on. What's your name? Uh, hi, this is Brett Greston. Hey, Brett. Do you have a question for us today? Yeah. Uh, there's kind of a. I guess it's a strange sort of black fungal growth around, well, I guess sort of permeating my urethra. Is that typical? Um, it, it's honestly a typical question that you might want to have with a physician, definitely. Um, if you if you ever need to make an appointment, I would definitely make an appointment uh, if you're an MSU student at uh, Olin Health Services. We actually have physicians. But that's definitely a, a, a question that you might want to talk to a physician about just because we're not able to see it. You know, as, as much as this is, is an interesting conversation uh, about STIs, uh, that's kind of something that you might want to uh, seek a physician and ask about. Just because if, if something like that is happening, um, it might be abnormal to you, it sounds like, so it might be something you might want to just address with your physician. Especially while you have symptoms, because while True. the symptoms are still present, everything is easier to diagnose that way. If the symptoms subside, that doesn't necessarily mean whatever is causing the symptoms has gone away either. So that's important imperative to, if you think there may be something going on, get tested. Go and get tested, see someone, and consult a physician. You know, I'm, I'm going to take your question as you're serious about it. And uh, any time that somebody has symptoms having to do with, you know, a sexual encounter or think a sexual encounter, you should go see a physician. You know, we can't tell you what it is. Uh, now, if your question isn't serious, you just made Kevin blush. <laughs> you did. I mean, come but on. hey, I guess you got your condoms. Though. He's wearing blue makeup, though, so it's we're, hard to we're tell. Going so that's to, a challenge. We want you to protect yourself, and that's what it's all about. But protecting yourself isn't just physical; it's also psychological. So make sure that you think about what you're doing, and see a physician if it's really have those symptoms. You know, uh, and Janelle can tell you this more than anybody else that. Most of the STIs and their sexually transmitted infections uh, can have treatment or cures. Yeah, many of them, if they're if they're not curable, they're manageable. But a lot of them are curable, and it's and it's kind of a simple. And it's, they're either over the counter or prescription medications. It just depends. But and you can't know until you go and see someone and and get it and get it looked at and taken care of. And just and that's being proactive about your sexual health. You mm -hmm. notice something, go and get it checked out. And if you don't like whoever you're chatting with, too, you can always go and seek a second opinion. I always am, am on board with advocating for yourself and making sure that you're getting the care you think that you should be receiving from a physician. The questions are being answered. You're being helped in an empathetic and, um, and, and, and I think, educated way. And as long as you feel that, that you're getting thorough care, then that's okay. And if not, then there are other resources like the Olin Health Center 
and student resources and, and things like Planned Parenthood out there and such mm-hmm. like that. All sorts of organizations that are willing to help you and who, who care about you being able to empower yourself and advocating for yourself as a sexually healthy individual. And, it, and I think a lot of that, like you said, seeking out your, your own, um, just for your own well-being, seek, seeking out that help and that information is a big part, I think, a lot of my life as, as a person that's constantly educating himself. I mean, I can think back when I would never even second guess that. I would have probably thought to myself, you know, shamefully, of course, like, right. um, if I go see my family physician, like, I know I knew he didn't talk to my family. Like, mm-hmm. I knew he wouldn't, like, give them details about why I was going to see him. But, of course, shame-based, oh, my yeah. life was always like, okay, if something like that ever did happen, I... I didn't see myself as a young a young kid going to get help. And, and what are they going to think about me? Even exactly. what's the doctor going to think? Are they going to make judgments on what my sexual activities have been or lack thereof or mm-hmm. whatever it exactly. is? <laughs> you know, and the thing is, too, is a lot of folks I think don't realize, and I know, Kevin, you've had a lot of this experience and you understand what I mean when I say this, is that oftentimes the folks at healthcare centers who are talking about, specifically when you're talking about STI testing and in, in, um specifically, again, oh my goodness, can I find another word to use? Anyhow, (laughs) when you're talking about STI testing, um, there are questions that are asked in terms of what kind of activities you're engaging in, in terms of which kinds of, are you engaging in um, like vaginal sex or uh, penetrative, or are you engaging in oral sex, that kind of thing. And the reason why they're asking that is because there are different tests that are performed based on the activities you've engaged in with a partner, mm-hmm. and whether or not that partner was tested, whether or not you use barriers and protection. So some might, sometimes it seems a bit, uh, it's a bit of an affront, because yeah. we very rarely talk about this kind of thing with even some of our friends. We don't get that detail in terms of the exact activities that we mm-hmm. engage in. So when you're kind of talking to a stranger, even though it's a professional, it seems intimidating. And, oh, my gosh, they're just making a judgment. If I say I had anal sex, like, what are they going to think about me? Does that mean I'm bad or whatever? I mean, we have all this stuff in our own head about it because of some of our lack of sexual education to right. come full now, circle. You now got masturbation, vagina, and anal sex within 15 minutes, Janelle. <laughs> that, that's pretty darn good. I'm working on that. This Four, three, two, three, Nancy, Call in and ask Quinn a question. Quinn. Yeah. <laughs> What's your definition of sex? My definition of sex, um, intimacy between two people. Did you just pick up a dictionary? No. Oh, hey. wow. Well, I'm impressed. That, that was, was impressive. interesting. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So mm-hmm. next I, I would say the most. Kev, the most... don't let him off that easy. No, I was going to. No, 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 no. So intimacy. Define intimacy for us. Dr. D, I'm new. Ah. <laughs> and you will know that he he always asks. He likes to fi- define every single word, trying to find the root meaning so that we understand it fully. Well, and oftentimes but, I don't think we think about it. No. I mean, you know, when we say these words, we talk about sex. We even say we're talking about sex. We don't even really know what we're talking about because we haven't. Nobody's ever asked us, what do we think? What is sexually healthy? What is what is sex? What is intimacy? What does that mean right. to us? Because to everybody, it's something entirely different. And I think Dennis is, is surprised and asked why if you looked up in a dictionary is because I've heard a lot of people just go straight to the physical. Like they think sex involves genitals. Like right, that's right. immediately where they go. It has to involve genitals. There's just a physical part of it. It. And they forget that emotional and that um, that connection that people can have outside of the physical body. And, mm-hmm. and I've, I guess sometimes it, like, sex doesn't always involve that emotional well, side, or does it? The question is, can, can you have a sexual identity and not express yourself sexually? Yes. How would you go about that, Kev? Well, I guess couldn't somebody, I mean, if I were to... Play devil's advocate. Couldn't somebody's sexual identity be a lack? Asexual. Asexual. I was gonna say a lack of sexual. Mm -hmm. Like their identity is that lack of sexual desire, perhaps. I mean. 
Well, and I still think, though, there's something there that may be I, I'm not going to display my sexuality in a very traditional sex activity based um, kind of perception or, or I'm not going to display it that way. But the way in which I'm intimate with different people, the way in which I'm uh, I express and share my emotions with someone on that kind of level, to me, that's where the intimacy comes in and where that cuts off and is a little bit different from sex. The intimacy has there to me, there's more levels of it, more mm -hmm. facets in terms of emotional connection. But let me ask you, you know, I, I like I like when I think we're going to have fun with this. I think so, too. <laughs> Thanks, uh, but isn't isn't your sexual identity everything you are as a woman? Isn't it everything you are? Be, that's, like, have, that's like saying even a, even listening to the words that you say, I keep going back. You put me in a weird spot over here. <laughs> we moved D, so I'm used to there. And the I'm mic like, oh, wasn't working. Right. <laughs> that mic doesn't work. But isn't even the words you use, intimacy and, and not expressing yourself, isn't isn't our sexual identity everything we are as a male or female or transgendered? Isn't it everything we are? I'm already making a face. I'm like, ew, I hate I that idea. Say, That's no, like, not on such a level. It, it, it very, it's, it's sure. It's one component of, of thousands of maybe even more than that. That in ways that I identify myself. That's one small component in terms of certain relationships that I have with people. And, and actually, even, even an intimate, my partner, my significant other, and I wouldn't define a relationship just by my sexuality and that on any level. Actually, that's such a small component. It's an important component, but in, in terms of all of the different things that make up our relationship and make up my relationships with others who I'm intimate with, my best friend, but my parents. Does sex have to be intimate? I'm playing on Quinn's words here because I, I think he brings up a good point. But you've said it like three times now, intimacy, intimate. Does, does right. sex have to be intimate? I don't know. I consider the close proximity with somebody during intimate. sex is fairly intimate. In like, and of itself. In the, when I'm thinking physically. Like that that space that I'm I'm sharing with somebody, that's my bubble <laughs> that I'm but, letting somebody. But, but right. do, you, do you define like, okay, I play music and I play with you know people and sometimes our musical creations are very intimate. We're mm -hmm. not having sex. So why do we use the word intimate in always in relation to sex? Mm -hmm. Is it that because the, the defined anthropological uh, root of intimacy is that close familiarity with another person, a sharing, a connection? Mm -hmm. Does it always have to be about sex? There's 12 different types of intimacy. Mm -hmm. Why do we always, when we talk about sex, it's always intimate? Is it or because, is that the, that's an intentional? It's that's a it's a it's a way in which society wants to strip the sex away and then call it intimacy because yeah. we're so scared of actually talking uh, about the act itself and what's really going on. I, I'm just I'm just conjecturing. I'm not really certain, but. Maybe or, that is a something that it's ingrained in us. I was gonna say, or is it also ingrained because uh, society wants us to marry? Like, a tra I guess if I'm going traditionally speaking from my upbringing, they want us to find that one person, whether it be economically fiscal for the for everyone to marry and you know join households and find that one person that they can be intimate with so that they're disregarding the fact that you can be intimate with a lot of people or excuse me you can have sex with a lot of people like mm -hmm. say back in the greek old days when people could free love even more so than the 70s where people had it wasn't ingrained that society you had to you know find that 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 mate or that person that you cohabitated with and so but I, I mean, at the same time, I also want to bring in, like you said, like using the word intimacy because we don't like to talk about the actual sex, that, sex right. act itself. Sex and we don't want but to I don't know. I think, I think intimacy is thrown in there because they want us to involve that connection so that it's not, I guess, 
ingrained that we can have multiple partners or multiple wives or multiple husbands in American culture. Although maybe I'm just getting... Let me throw this at you. And Janelle, I really want to hear what you have to say about this. Because the root definition of sex is one of two identities. Okay? Either male or female. Biologically. We're not talking gender here. Mm -hmm. So, a sexual identity is everything you are as a male or a female. How you look, how you talk, how you feel about life. It's not just having to do with how you may express yourself or your orientation. Mm-hmm. It really has nothing to do with your orientation. It has to do with who you are as a biological male, female, or transgender. It's That's what it is. It, it, we forget. We always try, try to assign the act, the procreation, the process of expressing ourselves. When what I'd like everyone to know is you have a sexual identity. You don't have to express it. You know, you can choose not to be sexually active. You can mm-hmm. choose to be abstinent your whole life. You still have a sexual identity and you should be proud of it. Yes or no? Yes. It's like I'm in on crossfire. I know, in an ideal world. but I In an ideal world. Yes. Yeah, Which... in an ideal world, you should be able to choose to, to enjoy, and, I, and Dennis, you said this earlier too, mm-hmm. does sex have to be intimate? And I think in some ways, no matter what you're, if, if you're, if we're talking about the activity, if the sex, the activity, does that have to be intimate? The proximity itself, um, pretty much, unless you're having, well, you can have phone sex and then you're not yeah, very, pro- you're not in proximation to somebody else. So hey, texting, I'm just creative sexting. over here, you know, I can't help that. <laughs> I can't help where my mind goes. So. You know, so (laughs) in that sense, you know, but I do also think that there's nothing wrong with enjoying an activity for the pleasure and for the sake of pleasure itself, for the activity without being necessarily besties with somebody. You don't have to be necessarily real intimate with a partner to actually even get some of the rewards of the activity itself. Like it's scientifically proven that the actual activity is good for our mind and our body and you know but i think where where we get confused is when we're talking about being sexually healthy and then you incorporate all the potential risks well for every reward there's an equal and opposite risk when we drive to work tomorrow you know there's a there's a reward we're going to get paid to go to our job and do something we hopefully love maybe not either way you're getting paid to do this but there's a risk every time you step in that car anytime you do anything there's a risk so I, I think that we get confused, especially in terms of the sexual education standpoint and because of how a lot of folks have been traditionally educated in an in a old school kind of sexual education environment that wasn't necessarily comprehensive that it sounds like Quinn has experienced, which is cool. But, you know, I think we, we confuse the two because that we're, we're not being able to separate that sex is good for us and that you can enjoy sex without being overly intimate outside of maybe just being in pro- close proximity you to someone else. You know why I'm else. hammering on you about his intimacy, and, and since Quinn brought it up, we'll pick why? on him. Because we, we can listen to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. Like you speak so I, I love she speaks so eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But to express oneself doesn't need to have to be with another. It doesn't have to be with another person. You know, I, I told Daryl Roberts last night that Jocelyn Elders, the old surgeon at, uh, or attorney general, surgeon, what is it called? Surgeon general. Surgeon general, thank you. I'm really screwed up here. <laughs> when she, <laughs> back in the Clinton days, said, you know, we should be teaching masturbation in high schools, she was fired a week later because uh, it was just too risque to do that. Mm-hmm. But what she was talking about is allowing people to express themselves without having to con connect with another individual and and allowing yourself to find out what's pleasurable and what's not and how to do things because we you know we don't have anything that remotely 
teaches us how to express ourselves. We mm -hmm. just kind of do it. Right. That's and, true. And we so, do it, and then we think about it after the fact and say, hmm, what did I like that? Did I not well, like that? And, and what I'm getting at is that definition of healthy sexuality. My definition of healthy sexuality is somebody who has the capacity to appreciate their identity and to either choose to express it or not to express it mm -hmm. and just comfortable with who they are. How many men or women or transgender can actually say they're comfortable with who they are? I don't even know if I can say yeah. that, if I'm quite honest. Well, I mean, relatively re comfortable, relatively. Janelle. You're one of the most comfortable people <laughs> I know. Now, Quinn, Quinn's approaching that very quickly because he's got that sense about him. And yep. I'm a pretty comfortable person. So if you have questions for us or questions for Quinn, 432 Oh, I'm sorry. You were saying that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> call in. 432-3893-517, area code. That is the area code. 517. We're so, giving away 100 condoms, right? Well, a year's supply, and you can choose that within reason. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and so where is this all going? And it's, if it's not a year's supply, call back in next week. You get another 100. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, there's a, your, there's a way around Your definition this, of folks. a year. Then, yeah, call <laughs> yeah. in. Yeah, see. Complimentary prize pack. Mm -hmm. Uh but what we're getting to is this conversation that we had last night and that the research we looked at today is is having sex too early, expressing yourself too early without any knowledge, mm -hmm. but just kind of doing it. I mean, some of the stuff that I saw in this film last night, you know, four and five-year-olds grinding against each other. I mean, it was hard to sit through some of the stuff because it was like, it's called the sexualization of our children. Mm -hmm. But is having sex too early, Kev? I mean, you did the research on this doctor who says having sex too early actually neurologically changes the way the brain looks at life. Right. And uh, I think she, I mean, she had gone on and on and about uh, how it's, it's a mixture of, of whether it's the parents letting them watch these, these, the, the, what the media puts out there. Um, it's kind of tying in what you had said earlier or just a minute ago about how sex doesn't necessarily need that. You don't need that other person. And we're teaching not only girl, young females, but uh, kids. And I, I was even one brought up thinking that sex involves another person. Like mm -hmm. when we're talking about yeah. sex, it involves another person. And not giving, we're almost disar basically disarming people, um, giving them this uh, plethora of information in the media that's talking about sex with another person and how it should go down and what's normal out there as opposed to, like you said, learning your own body and learning... Are we are we letting people go, uh, I guess, astray with all of this sometimes contradicting information that the media is putting out there? Um, and I guess the, it was kind of funny. We were talking earlier about that flower metaphor, <laughs> which was so it was kind of interesting is how like if you had a flower and you, you pulled the petals back, kind of like what what today's culture does very too soon, almost like we, mm -hmm. we have children that are seeing sexual. I think what was it? Um, 80% of the teen shows contain sexual content and mm -hmm. average teen view, 14,000 sexual references each year on TV alone, teen C, that they're seeing this and that, so we're, the petals are getting pulled back before they're, they're needed so, to. I feel like this is so profound to me and hit me on a level listening to you guys saying this because like it's in to, I learned about what, what being intimate with a partner was sexual activity with a partner far long long before years and had even experimented on my own before I even understood what masturbation was and what and what mm -hmm. self-pleasure was I had no idea even what was happening when I had experienced that for the first time but I knew what sexual activity was and I was so confused and I almost wonder are we doing that backwards then because how are we to 
know and to be able to discern what we dislike or like or what we would like in a partner to do or even to direct a partner and even to communicate if we can't communicate with our own body if we don't even know what's happening on that kind of level Mm -hmm. but people are so scared when you say that like children playing with themselves or, or, you know, naturally exploring their bodies like they do, that seems to be, and maybe this is not natural, I guess I haven't heard otherwise, but it seems to me like a very natural thing for children to do to want to know what their body parts do. And the fact that we say to them, no, that's bad or don't touch and, and make faux names for their genitalia and not teach them the actual proper terminology and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that is the beginning of the stigma that we all have about sex. You know, Daryl Roberts, who's the producer of all three segments of America the Beautiful, told this little story last night, which I thought was pretty good. He said, I just did a screening of America the Beautiful sexualization of children, and it's pretty graphic. It's graphic, it's hard-hitting, it's stuff that makes you go, huh, doing it, oh my gosh. And he said he showed it, and the parents were all chattering afterwards, and a 13-year-old girl came up to him and he said, uh, Mr. Roberts, I'm screwed. And he said, he thought maybe, you know, she had an STI or something like that. Or mm-hmm. she, said, she said, no, no. She said, if these adults are so uncomfortable with this, with this movie and these scenes, and I can see it anytime I want with one click, mm-hmm. I'm screwed because mm-hmm. they're the people who are raising me, are going to be teaching me, and these are the people who are in control of <laughs> He said, Daryl said, I just sat there and went, Wow. This That's little 13-year-old girl moment. comes up and it says, is. I'm screwed because the adults. And so Daryl said to me, so how do we get the parents to talk about this? I said, Daryl, you don't understand. These parents all have their little tragedies, mm-hmm. all have their little baggage from sex. Yeah. They're either afraid to talk to their kids about sex because it endorses it or gives mm-hmm. them permission, mm-hmm. or they're afraid right. to talk about what's happened to them. Mm-hmm. And I told Daryl that after teaching human sexuality now for 20 Oh, almost 30 years. I am old. Almost 30 (laughs) years that I did all these papers. You know, Mm -hmm. every student who ever entered my class, they had to do a paper called Who Am I Sexually before they came in. And they would talk about their whole life, and it was all anonymous. And uh, probably 60 to 70% of those papers started off with some type of tragedy. Either I did it wrong, I was forced to do it, I was sexually abused, I didn't know what I was doing, I got an Mm STI, almost 60%. Another 20% did it with no knowledge at all. And there's only 20% who even came close to having any idea what they were doing when they did it. It's one of the most common questions I get from parents on the STD project is what am I going to tell my my kids about me contracting an STI? And I'm and, and they said and they say to me simultaneously what are they going to think about me? And, I, and my first answer is they're going to think whatever you tell them. Uh-huh. So that's partly you're in your bag. You you have that. You have that ton of bricks, and you can either choose to do something with it or you know set down that baggage and wait and, and help them to start fresh so they're not feeling like you are about yourself because they're not going to think horribly mm-hmm. if you educate them and, and give them that information and, and let them make a – a mindful thought process or a mindful decision about it and, and let them go with it like that 13-year-old did. If she can see that and we can as adults, then, you know, that is. It's an indicator. Well, Quinn, I'm not going to assume. Let me ask you the question. The adults in your life, parents, yeah. grandparents, step-parents, whatever, did they ever talk to you about sex? Yeah, yeah. No, I've definitely um, had a, a good amount of, of talks about sex, you know, when I was a kid. I think I think they were important, but I think... The majority of uh, my sex education is really been informal. Like we've been talking through media, through the mm-hmm. culture around us. Um, what did you learn from all that? I mean, 
put it into a couple of bullet points. What did you learn? As a, as a child? Or even now, what you would take away from that. You said you got it informally, you got it from media and stuff, and we, I'm guilty of it too. I'm always blaming the media, and I forget the media is us. Mm-hmm. Right. And we are the Here culture. Here we sit, on the radio. We are the yeah. we're on. So, so what, I mean, what did you come out of that with? It's something that should be private, it's something that's taboo, it's something that's fun, casual and sex is good, what? To be, to be honest, I think uh, what I gathered from it is that there's really no, uh, there's no stopping what those certain things that they are going to learn, our children are going to learn. And uh, by trying to make it private and by trying to wait to tell them certain things, we're just kind of uh, damaging what their, you know, first perception of things will be. Um, And it ends up becoming something, you know, kind of different. It's it's almost like a misplacement of when they should learn something. Um, Mm -hmm. You make a good point. You make a really good point. point. Mm Because if parents don't say anything, that's a message in itself. Mm -hmm. Yep. If parents say something, then it's either permission. Are, like are they say, are they saying I can do yeah, this? Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. I think such a large. Part Johnny, of it. how would you like to learn how to put a condom on? Ooh, <laughs> you're just giving me permission to go out now there. Now get and out do there, that. good yeah, boy. Go and do. So, oh, you know, but no. this doctor says so. Janelle, I, I'm interested in Kevin, Quinn, and even mm-hmm. our producer. Now, what's his producer's name? Uh, Sean. Our producer. Sean. Sean of the Dead. <laughs> so Sean, can you, you got a mic in there? Yes. Can you guys hear me? Or uh, can you guys hear me? Hello? Yeah, no, I, I can't hear him. You can't. Well, Sean, you're out of it then, dude. Uh, <laughs> casual next, sex. clever, right? So part of this thing was that this doctor saying that casual sex is is not good. That's this what she's saying. This doctor was on the... On the, on the... Yeah, saying, okay. you know, and, you know, I've spent a good part of my life talking about erotophilia, that there are natural consequences to certain behaviors. You've said this before. Mm-hmm. If you choose not to use a condom, if you choose not to do all these things, and there's mm-hmm. one of the natural consequences could be an STI. Sure. I mean, it's just a natural, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't make sex bad. It just means if you're going to drive a car with no seatbelt and you're driving under the influence, there's a natural consequence. Exactly. We're, our bodies are resilient, but we're not infallible. And, and these things are part of the human experience. So what do you think about, I mean, part yeah. of it is too early Sex is one thing, but casual sex. I think she's. Well, she um, was. She kind of mentioned uh, casual sex. If your end goal is uh, marriage uh, with a lasting partner, she was basically saying that early hookups and breakups are not good for the preparation of a lasting marriage or a lasting partnership. Why? Yeah. Why? That she was basically saying that studies show that people who have multiple sexual partners before marriage, uh, or who cohabitate with somebody before marriage are more likely to divorce later on. As a PSA for impact, we are not endorsing <laughs> casual sex, but we're having a discussion about is it, I mean, what she's basically saying is that programs that teach how to use condoms and safe sex are endorsing sex. Which one does not equal the other. I mean, right. the, it's they're, they're, not, they're not exclusive, or, or they can be exclusive of one another, actually. They can be two separate, entirely different things. You can teach people what they can do to mitigate risk if they need to, ways in which resources and tools that they can use, you basically prepare them, empower them to make the choices. It's proven that comprehensive sex ed, which does teach uh, students how and where to access condoms, how to use them properly if they need to, what they're actually going to, what risk they reduce, all of those kinds of things. That's what comprehensive. It's proven that the people who under who go through comprehensive sex ed 
start engaging in activities actually at a later date, choose to abstain for longer than those who go through an abstinence-only education system, as well as it's proven that once they do choose to participate, whether it's before or after marriage, that they are doing so using barriers consistently, more consistently and more correctly than those who have gone without the education, who have not received that thorough education. So I feel like if you empower people to make choices, if you if you give that responsibility, put that in their hands with the right tools and resources and good, thorough, comprehensive education, they will make the decision that's right for them. But if you don't give them that opportunity, they can't make the decision. They don't know what they don't know. How do you make that decision? Gwen, how do you make that decision, whether you're ready to express your identity? Uh, That that is a uh, tough one, Dr. D. That's fine. We can care. No, uh, can you say the question again? How do you decide when it's... You know, I hate... Oh, I I hate those... those concepts of when you're ready, when you know it's the right s- person. That's kind of why I was confused. You, you know, is how, I mean, how do you, you know, we, we have this, we have this 18 year old law that you can go to war and kill people and you're ready to do that because you're 18 and we don't give a person a choice to decide whether they are ready to kill somebody. But so how do how do we, we do de- say that they're not ready to have alcohol though? They can go it, and die for their country, <laughs> but this is a whole nother. We are not going world. to talk about alcohol right now. That's a I'm different a show. Political. Different show. Okay. No, I mean, but how do you know when you're ready? I mean, so many of those twenty thousand papers I read said, I don't know, it just happened. So how do you you know you say comprehensive sex sex education or sexuality education? allows you to postpone but is postponing really the right word is no i I just think think it's it makes people more thoughtful it 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 tells them how Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. to think about and not that they have to only be thinking about these things but but when you're talking about self-care when you're talking about respecting your body and choosing what's going to be right for you you sometimes you do make a mistake and you find you find yourself in a situation you don't like but then you also respect yourself enough to know how to how and when you can say no that you actually can first of all that if you're not enjoying it that's an opportunity to say no and that's when you should be saying no you don't just like you don't have to just put up with something because you feel like you should be doing this so so it's not only just telling people comprehensive sex ed not only just tells people how to mitigate risks and things but it also gives you actually practical life advice and if you're in a situation here's something you can say to somebody like hey i don't really like that or "Mm, can we you know i mean you can do it in a way that feels right for you and that doesn't make you feel like you're um, you're putting yourself at any more risk or in harm's way. And it, I feel like it helps you with just with, with becoming aware of your needs before you even are sure of what they are. They, it helps you to discern what those right. what and the I, steps are. And I don't think a lot of, I mean, finding out when they're ready, it's, it's so funny because would you want them to be informed before they actually go through a situation that they might not even be able to uh, mentally grasp because they're not even prepared for We teach people how like if they're driving a car if you hit black ice what the things that you are that you should be doing you can do and and don't go don't turn the wheel too hard in one direction right. or slam on your brakes or whatever so we prepare people in all different other kinds of scenarios with ideas that they've never experienced yeah. and, and and before people go to war we train we train soldiers how to how to fight in, on a battlefield how to take mm-hmm. over I will say you know? like I I can't believe I'm saying this but I will say it's kind of hard for me to think about um, preparing somebody for, like, so let's say, the act of sex or even the act of masturbation, like, without putting an idea of, like, okay, this is how you might feel, like, and they might not be even 
they be able to grasp that concept of, okay, so I'm going to have these feelings and I'm supposed to do these certain things, one, to keep myself safe, but also to explore and to learn. Like, I, I do find it very hard to find when when a person would be ready or even when and maybe we're how to go about it a little like we're because I don't even know that you really that a good a good comprehensive sexual education is even going to give people ideas of what they might be feeling outside mm-hmm. of if you don't like it right. you're feeling awkward and don't like it absolutely you can say no but outside of that you know I think it gives people the permission to feel to explore and that's the key why do we Quinn I'll give you an easy one all right <laughs> And you can jump in here too. Why do we teach uh, driver's education? Why do we make people go through driver's education? Uh, so that so that they know how to drive well. They know how to drive well. And what yes. we what are we trying to? Are we trying to promote the fun of driving? Um, uh, no, I'm going to go with safety. I think it is minimize. <laughs> I think it is the safety and, and mm-hmm. yeah, We don't want people. So so. Let's, let's take that because that's the scenario that people use when they talk about sex ed. Mm-hmm. One of the, we probably have, I don't know what the correct figures are on a number of automobile deaths or, or accidents, but I do know that the number of deaths related to uh, unhealthy relationships in the U.S. Uh, far out see, uh, exceed uh, car accidents. Mm-hmm. We don't teach anything K through 12 or in college about how to navigate a relationship let alone a sexual relationship. Right. Okay. The only reason we do driver's ed is because we know there's a danger of people dying, and we want it's it's, it's a uh, inanimate object that we're propelling along the universe. Mm-hmm. Isn't it insane to you that we don't teach anything about relationships, how to navigate relationships? Right. Right. I mean, what is a good relationship? What's a healthy and what is a healthy relationship? We don't learn that. Let there's alone no sex. Kind of I that. mean, yeah. No, we're. I mean, uh, I. I, I I hope I, mean, I live to the day where they actually have a class on how to masturbate. I would love to be able to see that. I just because... want to be a fly on the wall. I, <laughs> right? just, I just do. I can't. Well, help come myself. on. I mean, we, we teach we teach everything else about how to please ourselves, yeah. from growing marijuana to what you know, all these things out there that we talk about. You know, driving a car should be pleasurable. How to cook our own food? How to take well, care cooking of cooking classes? Ourselves. There's a cooking yeah. network. We should have the masturbation network. <laughs> I mean, come on, I'd love to see well, that. Has... And, and people out there are going to go, "What? He, this guy's crazy." But no, really. The bottom line is that we need to teach about life. Okay, we teach about cooking because it's a very enjoyable, it's a sensuous, uh-huh. intimate experience. Those students, oh, they might come. I'm used to that, Mike. Over there, <laughs> we talk about intimate experiences. When I ask students to tell me what's the most intimate experience they have, what is the most, one of the best turn-ons in a sexual relationship, they say having a meal together, preparing a meal. It's one of the most intimate things you can do. Mm-hmm. So we t- we have the, the cooking network. We have we have so many channels. Yeah. We have Julia Childs, and we have everybody out there. We don't have anybody on there teaching masturbation. We don't and have anybody. Interestingly te- enough, it was part of. It used to be part of home ec. Sex ed was part of your home ec class. That's right. where really? it was introduced. Yeah, I was taught. It wow. was part of our. It was in like interruption of home ec, which home ec was like sewing and cooking and I don't know doing laundry and things that you need to do to take care of yourself on a normal everyday self care basis. You know, and but where did we go wrong in there? I mean, because I, I don't, don't think it was taught. Maybe I'm getting. Maybe I'm going to get too meta. But I guess if I'm thinking back in the day why people You're got You're a zombie. How can you get more meta than that? <laughs> when we think back in the day why people got married or let's say had sexual partners in marriage, um, why they got married and had a life 
together, whether it was economical, whether it was just a relationship that a bond by two different uh, families coming together, arranged or not arranged marriages, like why did people come together? We have such a, a, a long culture of of the emotional side not involved. Like mm. there's no emotional because we have such an ingrained, um, what do you call that? When, when it's just ingrained, not... It was a resource. It was a tool. Paradigm, yes. Mm, and, oh. it, and where we have all of these, these, your generation, gen, oh, sorry, yeah, generation, I'm going to say Dennis's yeah. generation, Dr. D's the generation, 30s, right. but even your parents, how <laughs> divorce was rarely an option or anything. So it wasn't, it was kind of, I feel like it was kind of like uh, you're in a relationship and whether or not you're emotionally sound or, or, or uh, emotionally healthy, you're in the marriage, and that's the that's the relationship, and that's how it's going to be. I I feel like now we're talking about how emotional is important part of it. I do feel like that there's, um, it's ingrained in in, I think a lot of our our previous family uh, histories that the emotional is not as important. Just keep the marriage going or keep the relationship going, um, because it's. That's how it's got to be. Like I said, the divorce wasn't always an option for people um, to to find that healthiness so that they just kind of thought, and I'm not speaking for everyone, and like I said, maybe I got too meta, but I feel like it's just so ingrained uh, that that there is not an importance on the emotional that um, you better make your husband happy that whole, like, yeah, you know, that whole the old the saying. Liberations movement happened with that. Oh, we have a caller? Oh. No, it's not a caller, but if you are just joining us, um, this has been exposure so far. Um, the number to call in is 517-432-3893. Um, feel free to rein me in because, like I said, I just feel he's like... He's got mad we have, honest. We have let, a history. Let me just tell you that yeah. sex ends in marriage anyhow, so just forget that. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. But what I'm... What I'm getting back to, Kev, is this doctor who we were going to talk about, as I listened to her, I thought she's from a very professional, just my opinion, a very professional uh, medical model trying to reverse the trend of saying that casual sex and or experimentation in lieu of no knowledge is bad. What she's saying is that neurologically, physically, we're not ready. So what we're saying is we're not ready until a certain age. Right. Okay. So what we're going to do now is we're not going to let, we're once again going to say, say no to sex, but we're not going to do any education. I don't see her calling for any comprehensive sex education. It's just back to just say no. It's the Nancy Reagan era where from a medical standpoint, I'm going to say no. Now, I can understand some of her physiological points and and the flower metaphor is, is, is cute. And it's the pedal pulling back. And it's, it's the old thing of not opening your legs. To me, that's kind of what it smacks up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, no, it was interesting. To finish that, that metaphor real quick was pulling the petals back before it's ready to bloom itself. It'll still grow into a fo- flower. It'll, it'll still eventually bloom, just not as it bloomed before. So, What's so I weird about it, that it, to me is that we never cared about casual sex and, and hooking up early and this hookup culture and stuff when people were getting married and doing it. So when people were getting married at 13 and having kids and starting families on a farm. Mm -hmm. So what she's saying is we're not 
physiologically prepared and, and there's an actual scientific stuff going on in our minds and things that are that are saying we're not ready for these activities that will eventually like make babies and families and stuff like that. Well, then we haven't been ready for a long time and nothing's right. changed. So why all of a sudden is she banging her drum? Because she should have been – and maybe she did. Maybe she thought we always were having kids and families too early. But I would like to pose the question to her that do you think – in the 1930s when it was the norm, or I, I should say even earlier than that, yeah. in the 1800s when it was the norm to get married at 15, 16 and start your family, was everybody then too not prepared? Or, or According is to her, it, yeah, because she was or saying Or is it ingrained the... in her stigma yeah. about we should all be getting married and having kids and that's the proper way to do it? You know, that's I, I would just like to pose that to her. It's 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 an interesting dilemma, and you make a very good point because you know back in that those days, you know they did get married early. So, mm-hmm. you know your sexual maturation was somewhere around fourteen or fifteen, and you got married at seventeen. So they only really asked you to abstain for two three years. Right now, people aren't getting married till twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, and your sexual maturation is twelve or thirteen. They're asking you to wait fifteen, twenty years mm-hmm. to marry. We're not endorsing casual sex. We're not Mm-mm. endorsing free sex or anything. We're saying take a good look at it, what you need to be healthy. And what you need to be healthy is to understand your capacities. The only way you're going to understand your capacities is to explore the concept of your identity, explore the expression of it, not do it, explore it. But we don't want to do that. We, we are always saying say no, say yes, teach this, you know, teach... Uh, Safe sex, and I have a problem with safe sex, too. It's kind of like, we don't talk about safe relationships. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about safe relationships. <laughs> don't don't go out with that person just because he's hot. No, we don't do that. We, we, but we have to do safe sex because mm-hmm. we have this moral thing against it. Dr. Mm-hmm. D, I got a question. Sure. Um, we were talking about educate, educating sex seems to endorse sex, and we mentioned that it you know those two don't go hand in hand, but... Even if they did, wouldn't, wouldn't uh, you know, our culture and media do the same thing anyway, endorse sex? They don't endorse sex. They uh, plagiarize it. They uh, glorify it. They sensationalize it. They lie it. about it. Uh, they lie about well, and it. And use they, it for their benefit. Exactly. Like, if you're, it's, if you're, it's, yeah. it's an unhealthy norm. If you listen to the media, which is us, uh, everybody's having sex all the time. When we know from our data just on campus that 76% of the students last year said they were sexually active, and 75% of those did it with one partner. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever believes that. The state news comes out and says, oh, you guys are lying. You made up the data. <laughs> it's like there couldn't be no way that 24% of MSU ch- students chose not to be sexually active with somebody else. Mm-hmm. They might have been sexually active with their own body, but mm-hmm. they're not sexually active with somebody else. We can't believe that because we have to buy into it Everybody's having sex and everybody's having four or more partners, right? Yeah, which isn't true. And I think, Quinn, is you're kind of saying, too, like, because earlier you were talking about the media and how if – if we're if we're going to already learn it when we're super young and we're going to be we're going to be exposed to it no matter how hard you try not to in terms of advertisements and TV and radio and everything then why not provide the that that thorough education that background so that this so that you at least have a dichotomy in the messages that you're receiving you're not just receiving one sided messages that are highly sexualized that are 
out for the benefit of these media campaigns and things. And I mean, sex sells. Everybody's interested in sex. Everybody, yeah. sex is one of the most interesting topics you could talk about for the rest of the world. I mean, it is. So why not then provide that interesting, that educational background so that if, if somebody chooses to not abstain until marriage, then at least they have the resources and tools. And I agree. I agree, Dr. D, because it's not it's not saying that casual sex, everybody should run out and just go have casual sex. I actually think everyone should run out and get some education and find the information in a, in a really, in a trustworthy resource so that once they do, when they choose to, whether it's after they're married or beforehand, either way, you're doing it fully fully with the with the responsibility and the knowledge so that you can feel like you know what a good relationship is because that includes sexually you sexually you, you 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 hit it on the head uh, I mean you know my uh, there's no calls to action on on impact mm-hmm. but my That's thing true. is this uh, if we're going to tell people to abstain from sex until they're 18 old enough then let's tell them all to abstain from relationships until they're old enough too it makes just as much sense to me as telling people they should abstain from sex. Because the damage that's done by unhealthy relationships, the amount of, of uh, homicides, uh, victimization, uh, you know, spousal abuse, relationship abuse, oh my God. You know, we asked students back in the, in, during the 2000s how many students thought they were in, the, in an emotional or physical or sexual abusive relationships we had 24% of the students saying they were in some type of abusive relationship. Yeah, and, and look at that. And that's just like that speaks volumes. That's incredibly, incredibly disheartening. That's 10,000 students level. saying that they, they either had been punched, slapped, called a name, been physically abused, sexually abused in a relationship. Mm-hmm. But we're telling people to abstain from sex. Yeah, and the thing is, is if you d- stop telling people what they should do and tell them what they could do, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we're going to have people empowered being able to say no to that 24% of those junk relationships out there because they'll know how to. At least they'll be have been given options. People don't know what they don't know. A lot of a lot of people, especially in unhealthy relationships, aren't even aware yeah. until you ask them the question. That's probably the first time most of those people, we should have added, added that to the survey. Like, how, have you ever even been asked if you've been in an, is this the first time you've been asked? Or have you ever been asked if you're in an unhealthy relationship? I was just going to echo what you said, which is like the uh, verbal. A lot of people people think that oh nobody's hit me in my relationships but oh I've definitely received a lot of verbal yeah. abuse and whether it's normal in their family or they've had it in the how do you know what's healthy or unhealthy if you know nothing about exactly. the characteristics of healthy and unhealthy? how right. do you know that right I mean you, you know, don't know base, you base don't. it off of your past experiences type of thing I guess well let me tell you this having been in an HIV counselor now for how many years have I been doing this 20 years have me Oh, I was because I thought you me. Well, you <laughs> have only been doing it for five years. Five years. <laughs> you know, during the during the during the two thousands, I would always ask students, and even in the early nineteen nineties, I would always ask students once they're done, you know, with the test and they got a negative result. I'd always say, you know, by the way, why are you having sex? Not in not in a demeaning way, or you know, like a parent would do it. Right. Just, I can't tell you. I think nine times out of ten, they would say, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of times women, most women go, I don't know. I said, so the reason for sex other than procreation is pleasure. So it's got to be one of those reasons. Well, n- no, not necessarily. I, I did it because I thought it was expected. He wanted me to. Revenge, uh, curiosity. Never, hardly ever. I had one brave woman who once said, for fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're a poster child. Yeah, right. <laughs> but if you don't even know why you're having it, 
if you, I mean, some people don't even know why they're in a relationship mm -hmm. other than it's what I'm supposed to do or I feel more secure. Mm -hmm. You know how I many people can can actually exist outside of a relationship? They get into one right away because they feel they have to be in one in order to be whole. Yeah, asking we, someone to articulate those kinds of those kinds of questions that one most people have never been asked, and then two, they don't know what is a yes or no or heads or tails. You know, I mean, it's that's the trouble. Wouldn't you love to have your kids know everything they could know about relationships and navigating them, and know everything? Because if you go too far with teaching kids about sex, they'll just turn you off. They'll just go, <laughs> oh, okay, I've had enough. That's enough. Okay, you know. Oh, oh, God, he's talking yeah. about Oh, he's talking about again. masturbation again. Right. Oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> they will. But wouldn't it, I mean, there goes to your research. Yeah. In families where there's an open, open communication, you feel like you can ask your parents anything, most times they do delay it because they don't necessarily have those other reasons for having it, curiosity, all those right. other ones. Right. It's when it's fun time, it's fun time. Mm -hmm. Protect yourself. That's a so, great way to end our conversation. I'm, I'm, I was way up on my soapbox today, Kev. Sorry nope. about that. And <laughs> I appreciate it, Dennis, because it's been a long day. Yeah, this you, has been you, a great you conversation. look horrible, man. Oh, just another day. We got to get Sean on a mic, though. <laughs> yeah, I next ask time. Sean questions next time. He's yeah, sitting next there time. just kind of staring at the wall. I think he cleverly was like, "Oh, you can't hear me." I'm, I'm just <laughs> oh, wow, mic's not working. He's got all these thoughts in his head, and I'm not used to not being able to communicate with the producer. Yeah. An engineer is pretty. It's pretty easy to avoid the conversation. It's not a technical, well, technical oh, problem. Can't, if can't he's do it. here next time, he's doing the taste test. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we'll make sure we'll bring some That'd flavored lube fun. next time, just for you, Quinn. Ah, yeah. okay. and we, we got, can verbalize his, his his like his facial his facial reaction to it. The pina colada is good. He thinks. Oh, he's, yeah. yeah. I think the messages we want to leave students with and anybody else that's listening to the great impact is that, you know, ask yourself a couple questions. Ask yourself, uh, are you comfortable with your identity? Are you comfortable with the knowledge you have? Are you comfortable doing the things we do? You know, the, the, the big thing across the nation right now is sexual assault on campus, mm -hmm. and that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. We should be educating, and, and I'm going to pick on one gender. We should be educating our men mm -hmm. from day one what it means to be in a healthy relationship, what it means to respect another human being, whether it's a woman or a man, and how to go about that. You know, we, we keep wanting to protect women by saying you should take self-defense, yada, yada, yada. No, no. It, it's about talking with men and knowing what your sexuality is all about and how to express it in an appropriate manner and be comfortable with the arts, what it's all about. You know, and I, I applaud Impact for once again hosting us crazies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. Yeah. If you have any questions, Yes, uh, you can always contact us at olin.msu.edu. Uh, um, for any questions, uh, you'll see that we have contacts listed in our health education portion of our website. Um, or call us up at Olin Health Center. And we do, we do have other things, uh, complimentary things, if you want to come to the health center. We can, we can provide you with the knowledge that you want. And we can also sit down with you and talk to you about things. We're going to sit down with Quinn after this and have a heart-to-heart because -heart, there were a couple of questions he wasn't ready to answer. So, yeah. And Sean's in there not even wanting to talk at all. Look at <laughs> yeah, me and Sean will both do a lot of learning after this. Yeah. <laughs> During this and after. I think it was a great for we're sure. We're going to all hug in our, in our bubbles. And, and we're not going right. to do a kumbaya, <laughs> kumbaya moment. Oh, oh, man, I was kumbaya going there. Oh. I know you were going there. It's the only hug I was expecting this week. So what's coming up? What's coming up? I think we have another show scheduled for um, next month in November. Uh, date soon to come. 
Um, but we do have this week, uh, or excuse me, next week, we have the In Your Face Theater Troupe that kind of brings these this idea of sex, communication, relationships, talking about those relationships, um, coming to Hubbard Hall on the 11th of November. Um, and it's a fun fun way of kind of breaching those topics that some people probably never talk about. So here the guy is dressed like a zombie. He's not going to even talk about what's going to happen. But the on most important now. thing that's happening—no calls to action—but what is this week on Thursday? Uh, the Rock Zombie Walk, free. All right, thanks so much, guys. We are running out of time here. Uh, thank you all for coming in. Um, thank you, Quinn. It's been my pleasure. It's so much fun, always. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, reminder those listening at home that you can find this episode as well as all other episodes of Sexposure and Exposure at www.impact89fm.org. We're here every week, Tuesdays from 7 to 8. Uh, special thanks to Ed Glazer, our general manager, and Gabriela Saldivia, our station manager. I've been your host, Quinn Hoffman, and this has been Sexposure. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure. Exposure.